We are in a thing called bilingual. And this morning I want to start, and I want to share some things. Some of them sound familiar. Some of them are going to be a little odd, okay? Just so you know. But through all the things that I share over the next six different groups, there's something that all of them have in common. Number one, there's over roughly 4,200 different religions. And through the different 4,200 different religions, there's 45,000 different denominations, which means that everyone has their own interpretation of what they see, whether it's our Bible, whether it's their Bible, whatever it may be. Think about it, 4,200 different religions, 45,000 different denominations, variations of how they want to change and be different. Now today, believe it or not, there's 72 different genders. Last time I checked, I only knew of two, but today we are growing, and now we have 72 different genders. It's exciting. You can be whatever you want to be. So far in 2022, there's been over 300 mass shootings. 45 million abortions happen each year, which equates to 125,000 abortions each day. 47 people get murdered, killed each day, 47. One in 10, one in 10, boy or girl, gets sexually abused before the age of 18. Every 11 seconds in the United States, every 11 seconds, there is a child that is reported that reports abused. 13,700 children get abused each day in the United States. So I read some things. Some are just kind of fun, nice, right? Religions, this, denominations, and then we got into some weird stuff. But as I read those, I want you to think about that and ask yourself, what do they have in common? Mr. Al salir él para seguir su camino, vino uno corriendo e inclinando la rodilla delante de él, le preguntó, maestro, bueno, ¿qué haré para heredar la vida eterna? Jesús le dijo, ¿por qué me llamas bueno? Ningún, ninguno hay bueno, solo uno. Solo un Dios. Los mandamientos, ¿sabes? No adulteres, no mates, no huertes, no hurtes, no digas falso testimonio, no defraudes, honra a tu padre y a tu madre. Él entonces respondió, le dijo, maestro, todo esto lo he guardado desde mi juventud. Entonces Jesús mirándole, le amó y le dijo, una cosa, ay, una cosa te falta, anda, vende todo lo que tienes y dalo a los pobres y tendrás tesoro en el cielo, y ven, sígueme tomando tu cruz. Pero él afligido por esta palabra se fue triste porque tenía muchas posesiones. Thank you, wife. We started a theme over a month ago called bilingual. And bilingual, for most of us, means that we understand two languages, representing two worlds, spoken in, you can, most people are bilingual, usually here in California, it's English and Spanish, right? Representing that we live in a world where there's two worlds. There's a physical world that we see, and there's a spiritual world that we can't see. And the question through bilingual is, which one dominates in me? 
Is it my physical world that I see, or is it the spiritual world that the Father's trying to get something, download, inspire, encourage, heal? What is there something spiritually that my Father in Heaven is trying to get into my brain? And for me, English is the only language that I know, so for me, Spanish sounds foreign. And so for many people who dwell in the physical world more than they should, the spirit sounds foreign to them. So this morning we read a story, and it was about a young man. And this young man came running to Jesus. He was, it says he's a young man, and he's so excited. He is so stinking excited. He's running to Jesus. He kneels down before Jesus. He gives Jesus a compliment and says, you are a good teacher. You're a good man. He goes, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Comes with a great question. He's being complimenting Jesus. He's kneeling down before Jesus. He's running. He's excited. He's passionate. And he says, what must I do? Great question. And Jesus says to him, well, what do the commandments say? And he says, you know, not to murder, not to commit adultery. I shouldn't steal, not lie. Don't cheat anybody. Honor your father and mother. And the young man, which is so awesome and amazing, says, I've kept all these since I was young. I've kept all these. Can you imagine being able to say this before God himself? I've kept all the commandments since I was young. I haven't broken any. He was young, and he says, I've kept all of these. So then Jesus turns around and says, okay, then there's one thing that's left. He says, I want you to sell all your possessions, sell everything that you have. I want you to give it to the poor, and then I want you to follow me. And it says that the one man went away depressed frustrated because he wasn't willing to sell every single thing that he had. We understand that being as a believer and as a Christian, it's not about saying a sinner's prayer. We've kind of made it that way in the last 50 years, that if you say, you know, the sinner's prayer, that all of a sudden automatically you're saved. But when Jesus was here, what was the one thing he did? He turned to the disciples, he said, come follow me. And the language that he used there means to give up your life, give up your job, your occupation, give up everything that's important to you. And so when he said, come follow me, they were handing over their life into the hands of Jesus' life. Jesus didn't only say it to them because we see throughout scriptures, he says what? Follow me, follow me, deny yourself, follow me, take up your cross and follow me. He said it to them just as he says it to us. This young man, as Jesus is expressing to him, he asked, he was asked a question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus got right to the point, give up every single thing that's important to you. And for him, it was only one thing. It was his possessions. It's what he possessed, right? Which really was possessing him. It was one thing. So as we keep this young man in our minds, we move on to our next story. And again, we're remembering the things that we brought up in the beginning. We're bringing up this story here, and then we're moving into one more man, and then we're going to bring them all together and say, what do they all have in common? If you have your Bibles, Acts chapter 9, starting in chapter 8, verse 9. It says, a man named Simon had been a sorcerer there for many years, amazing the people of Samaria, claiming to be someone great. Everyone, from the least to the greatest, often spoke of him as the great one, the power of God. They listened closely to him because for a long time he had astounded them with his magic. But now the people believed Philip's message the good news concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. And as a result, many of the men and women, they were baptized. And then Simon himself believed, and he was baptized. Then he began following Philip wherever he went, and he was amazed by the signs and great miracles Philip performed. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. 
As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they'd only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers, and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given, when the apostles laid their hands on people, he offered them money to buy this power. He said, let me have this power too, he exclaimed, so that when I lay my hands on people, they will receive the Holy Spirit. And Peter replied, may your money be destroyed with you for thinking God's gift can be bought. Our last verses, you can have no part in this for your heart is not right with God. Repent of your wickedness, pray to the Lord, and perhaps he will forgive your evil thoughts. For I can see that you're full of bitterness, jealousy, and held captive by sin. Pray to the Lord for me, Simon exclaimed. These terrible things that you've said won't happen to me. And after testifying and preaching the word of the Lord in Samaria, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, and they stopped in many Samaritan villages along the way to preach the good news. And so this morning as we break down this, this story, we first started with a young man, and now we're looking at a man named Simon. He says he was a man of magic, and it was something that he used his magic to seduce people and deceive people. It was something that he used his magic to make money. This was his job, his occupation, but also it was to exalt himself. He loved the praise he got from people by doing magic tricks. Look how awesome I am. And so for Simon, unfortunately, he had to share the spotlight. How many of us know sometimes in life we have to learn to share the spotlight? And there's a man who came to town. His name was Philip. And when Philip got to town, Philip had a new message. His message was Jesus Christ. It was the gospel of Jesus. Believe in him. Give your life to him. Give everything you have and lay down your life. And it says that many people turned away from following Simon and they started following Philip. And as soon as they started following Philip, they got saved and they gave their lives to them and they were following Philip. And so Simon is starting to feel a little bit of like a quack because, hey, what happened to my following? What happened to my people? What happened to the people who were following me? Here's this new guy and he just stole basically my job, my occupation. He stole all my people. He stole my congregation. He stole everything. And, and where are they all going? The people. They turned their hearts and they found something real for themselves. They found the power, the gospel of Jesus Christ. They found this power of salvation for themselves. Before they used to just look at a man and say, wow, hey, that's cool and amazing. He does great things. And they used, to, they used to call him like a God man, Simon. But now they found the one true God. Turn to your neighbor and say the one true God. And we know that they got baptized. As soon as they heard the message, it says that they got baptized. And what baptism is, we know that baptism is a sign that when we go underwater, we're leaving our old life behind. We're leaving our old life, our occupation, our desires, our dreams, our goals, everything. When we go underwater, we leave everything behind under the water. And that when we come up out of the water, when we're baptized, it means we're saying, here is my whole new life. I've left the old life in the water, and I'm starting a new life to follow Jesus Christ. The people were baptized. And it says, as soon as they got baptized, Baptized, Peter and John came down. They laid hands upon them. And then they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8. Then the Spirit, what is he going to do? Empower us. Like a dynamite kind of power to be witnesses for Jesus Christ. Baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit. And so this morning as we look at these two people, as we look at the rich man, and we look at Simon in this story. And Simon supposedly it says that he gave his life. He followed he went through the baptism, right? We said that Simon, he heard the message and it looked good. It sounded good. For this man in this story who used to be a magician and that was his occupation, it sounded good. But there's something that changed in Simon's head when he saw the Holy Spirit. He saw signs, he saw wonders, and he saw the Holy Spirit. And you know what his mind did? 
he reverted back to Simon before, and the first thought he thought of was, well, I can use this to make a buck. I can use this to make a dollar. I can use this to get my following, my people back. And so he offers to buy the Holy Spirit. And we know that Peter laid into them. There's something true that these men had in common, the rich man in the first story, Simon in this story, and then through all the things, through all the things that I read when I opened up. Joel, come on back up real quick and grab your jacket for me. Joel's going to do a little fashion display for us this morning. If you want to go ahead and put it on for us. This is Josh's jacket, so let's see how it fits on Joel. Hey, not bad. Can you button it up or no? Look at that. Not too shabby. <laughs> Reminds me of a movie, but I'm not going to go there. So, no, you got to step here for a minute. Life has become about fashion. You see... And we treat fashion now how we treat things today. If something doesn't fit just right, the first thing that would come to your mind is diet. And I'm not in this course speaking to you, you know, I'm to other people, right? When something doesn't fit in your closet, for a lot of people, again, the first thought that might come, I may need to cut back on some things. But when we get into life, when we get into the things that I read this morning, 72 genders, 4,200 different religions, the murders, the abortions that happen every single day, the kids that get abused sexually every single day. When we think about the rich man, when we think about Simon, we think about life, there's one word that comes to mind, and it's the word truth. When truth doesn't fit, you know what we do? We just take it right off. <laughs> And so you know what we do as people? When truth doesn't fit, no, you can't leave yet, hold on. When truth doesn't fit, when truth doesn't want to sit right, when it's not comfortable, when it makes me feel a little awkward, then we go to find a different truth. 4,200 different religions, over 40,000 different denominations. When I read something and I don't think the pastor is correct, I'm just going to go find something else. When there's something that doesn't fit correctly with me, there's 4,199 other gods that I can go check out. There's over 40,000 different denominations that I can go check out. If it's too loud, then I'll go where it's quiet. If it's too quiet, I'm going to go find somewhere else where it's in the middle, right? When things don't fit right, and try one more time for us, Joel. Thank you. Appreciate you. You're the best. Perfect. Exactly. And that's exactly what we do. Let's start doing life backwards because the truth that I first tried didn't fit me just right, so let me try it backwards now. Thank you. Give it up for Mr. Joel. If God doesn't fit my lifestyle, I'll just change my God. If my spouse doesn't fit my lifestyle, just change my spouse. If my church doesn't make me feel comfortable, it's okay, I could just change it. 
Where in life, where in life has something changed and shifted? Everything is about being comfortable. If we need 72 genders today, when did it change? What changed in people that we need really 72 different genders? What changed in people that we need 4,200 different gods? What has changed in us as people that we judge everything in life now by what's comfortable and what's true for me? Now, the question is, is there really one truth or is it just what is true just to me? Because I can tell you for many people in our world today, we have confused young minds. We have confused young minds because we've told them they can do whatever they want to do, they can be whatever they want to be, and not installing God into them, it's just do whatever you want to do. Fluff around, grow wings, and fly here and fly there. We have made this such a crazy world and crazy place because I think in our, to give us credit, to say, I think most of us parents were sweet, kind, wonderful, and compassionate. And so when kids come to us and they're confused, many times we don't, we don't take a step back to, to realize the spiritual moment. It's not always the first response that is correct, but it's waiting a minute and listening for the Holy Spirit. So what do I say in this? And so we've enabled kids. We've confused them in their sexuality. We have confused kids in their life. Sometimes they have no idea what end is up. They have no idea what's going on. And it's not only kids because you know what? Now there's a generation of adults who are more confused than even younger people. There's so many confused people today. And you know what they do? This jacket doesn't fit. I'm going to go get me a new one. This doesn't fit, so I'll go get me a new one. Ooh, you said something I like, so now I'm, I'm cutting you out. The truth doesn't fit anymore. The truth is old and outdated. I don't know about you, but I don't think molesting a kid is right. I don't, I don't think that 13,000 kids should go through that in one day. I don't think that 47 people should be murdered a day. I don't think that 125,000 babies aborted every single day. Is there right and is there wrong? And if there's right and there's wrong, that means there's truth, which is the common denominator. We can't make up our own truth, but we must stand on the truth, not what fits not what's comfortable, but what is true, what is right. Just because it doesn't feel right, just because it doesn't sit right, just because, just because. John 4, 24 said, God is spirit, those must worship him in spirit and in truth. The beginning and the basis to worship and understanding. God is spirit. Those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. We live in a physical world, but there's a spiritual world that dominates the physical world. And for some people, they get it and they understand it and they're listening and they're awake and they're alert to the spiritual world. But many people, the spiritual world sounds foreign. God is spirit. How do we worship him? In spirit and in truth. John 5, 24, I tell you the truth. You know how many times Jesus said that? Go through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I tell you the truth. Jesus was someone who wanted to tell the truth. He wanted to tell the truth. He spoke the truth. He even said, I am the way and the truth and the life. But he started many of these things by saying, I tell you the truth. And he said this, those who listen 
actively to my message, believe in me and who sent me, they will never be condemned for their sins, but they've already passed from death into life. John 7, 18 says this, those who speak for themselves, they only want glory for themselves, but a person who seeks to honor the one who sent and who speaks the truth does not lie. God has put us here not to talk about ourselves, even though it's nice to. We're all nice, wonderful, handsome, beautiful, wonderful, strong, awesome, amazing people, but God didn't put us here for that. God picked the Jewish people to bring this message to the entire world, and God has picked us today for this moment in time now to reflect him and to speak the number one thing that is really needed and is really important right now, truth. John 8, 32, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. John 14, 6 says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do not know and you've not seen him. I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I am the life. John 14, 12, I tell you the truth, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I've done, and even greater works, because I'm going to be with the Father. Ask anything in my name, and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name, I will do it. He says, tell you the truth. If you believe in me, and the believing that he's talking about is an act of belief. It is giving. It is doing. It's something that is in response to what we believe. It's not enough to say, God, I just believe in you. What is the response to your belief? What is the response to your faith? What is the response? Response to how you believe, how you honor him, how you worship him. What is our response? What is the fruit from our belief in him? John 14, 17, it says, he is, and Jesus goes from himself now into the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who leads. Where does the Holy Spirit leads? Into all truth. The world can't receive him. This physical world can't receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now, and later he will be in you. In John 15, 26, he goes on, I'm going to send you the advocate. He is the spirit of truth. The spirit of truth. He will come to you from the Father, and he will testify all about me. You must also testify about me because you've been with me from the beginning of my ministry. John 16, 13, it says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all, what? Truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring glory to me by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. And this is why I said, Spirit will tell you whatever he receives, it is from me. So our theme that was created and thought of and prayed about, again, two languages that most of us in this physical world understand. If you're bilingual, you understand and you speak two languages. And for most people in California, it is just English and it is just Spanish. Two languages representing two worlds. Bilingual. 
you live, I live, we live in this physical world. After service, we're going to go, we're going to get lunch, we're going to get something to eat, we might take a nap maybe, hallelujah, we might go for a drive, we might just sit around the house, we may just, who knows, but we will do something physically in this world today. We're going to relax and we're already thought about lunch and we've already thought about where we're going, what we're doing, what has to get done. This week in the preparation for all the things that have to happen this week and all the bills that have to get paid and where we need to go and what we must do. And so the physical world has already started to dominate today and already started dominating tomorrow. But the important question is, is your physical life being so dominated by what you see that you're missing the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit, Jesus said, is the spirit of truth. And he will guide you into all truth. How do I help myself? I listen to the Holy Spirit. How do I help my family? I need to listen to the Holy Spirit. How do I help my friends? I need to listen to the Holy Spirit. How do I help people who are in my life? I listen to the Holy Spirit. How do I do what God has put me here to do? I listen to the Holy Spirit. There is nothing that can get done. There is nothing that is productive. There is nothing that on our own. Yes, we're good people. Yes, we're smart and intelligent. All of us could be brain surgeons in here. All of you could be heart doctors and open up hearts and do all those kind of things because you're just smart, brilliant kind of people. But if we're missing the Holy Spirit, then we're truly not helping people at all. It's the Holy Spirit. The truth sets people free. And so how many of us know that there's many things in our life that we will believe and we will agree with God about? I can believe about God asking him into my heart. I can believe about that because I, I don't want to go to hell. Pastor used to talk about hell and you got to, you know, ask Jesus in your heart. Man, this thing is small, Joel. I don't even know how you did that, bro. That's fun. I'm just going to leave it one-handed on there. Half truth. Thanks, baby doll. It's crazy, the world and the time that we live in. And more than ever, when Satan first came to Eve, what was the very first thing he said? Did God really say? God is still in your life. And I know that for all of us, we can get behind believing in him for salvation. We can get behind him for healing because who doesn't want to get healed? Right? We can get behind God for prosperity because who doesn't want to be prosperous? But there's so many more things about God. There's so many more things about his word. There's so many things about truth. What about depression? What about loneliness? What about kids who struggle with suicide? What about adults who struggle with suicide? What about so many different things that plague our world today? Insecurity. Does God want to help there too? Or do we want to just hang on to, to half-truths? And do we want to find people and places that make us feel comfortable? Because if it doesn't fit, that's what we do. Let's just dump it. You live in a bilingual, I live in a bilingual world. Are we so earthly-minded that we're no spiritual good this morning? Some people, and I, 
you know, 20 years ago, I can remember in the church, there was a lot of people who you'd think, man, it sounds fruity, looks fruity, it sounds weird, looks weird. And that saying, you know, 20 years ago, being so spiritually minded, people used to walk around and it was thank you, Jesus, for everything, right? And if it was raining, it was thank you, Jesus. And if there was lightning and it struck them on the head, it's thank you, Jesus. And so many people, they stopped and said, man, there's a lot of weird Christians. They're just too spiritually minded. So I think what we've done as Christians, some of us, is we've reverted back. And now we've reverted back to be physically minded, so physically minded, that today we're not spiritually good. John 6, 63, Jesus says something that's very hard and very difficult to understand. He says, the spirit alone gives eternal life. The spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort, the flesh, accomplishes nothing. These are the very words that I've spoken. They are spirit and they're life. God productively needs us to be full of spirit and truth. And when you're full of him, then you change the entire world. You change the entire world. This theme, bilingual, we're going to finish today. We're going to start a new theme next week called In the Zone. Turn to your neighbor and say, in the zone. And are you in the zone? You dropping threes while you're in the zone. You throwing passes, right? Touchdown passes while you're in the zone, catching the ball. And so as we wrap up bilingual, we wrap up this thought, as we wrap up things, there's so many different things to us that sound interesting. There's so many different things that we question God through testing, through trials. It says that the Holy Spirit led Jesus to be tested. How many men in the Bible Abraham was tested and asked to give up his only son? And so when God is testing us, how many of us know, does that sound foreign to us or does it sound like something God would want to do? Why would God want to test me? Why would God want me to go through anything that is difficult? Why would God want me to go through a trial? There are things that God allows us to go through. Why? Because we're so physically minded sometimes that we got to get smacked in the head. Sometimes life, Christianity, being spiritual, it's about learning to wait and listen for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It's about waiting for our miracle. It's about waiting for something great. We become such an immediate country. We need it now, want it now, need it now, need it now, want it now, need it now, need it now, want it now. That God says sometimes, no, patience, the best is yet ahead. The best. We see God in the Bible. What does he do? He never starts and just hears $10 million. You know, for Abraham, he left his home and country. And he didn't get prosperous when he left. He became prosperous when he got there, when he was obedient and followed God. Blessing, prosperity, following. God will bless you when you're faithful with the little things so that he can give you more things. God always testing trials and that word trust, right? Teaching us how to trust and hang and cling to him. We know the, the story of the boy with, with a couple fish and a few small loaves. None of the men in the story thought anything could be done. No one, no one. But there was an offering that a little boy had, and he said, I don't know if I'll do much, but the little I have, God, I give to you. And God fed 10,000 people with something that's very little. See, our mind sometimes gets stuck and hung up on, I need this, this, and this, and this, and this to be successful. All the while God's saying, you're not leaving room for me. I'm God, and I want to show myself to you. I'm God, and I want to show the world who I am through you, sometimes through the little, the little offerings that we give. How many things that we go through? 
How many different seasons have we gone through in our lives up to the 35 years that we've been alive? How many different things have we lived through and seen? In the season that we're going through now, it's tough, it's rough. Today is a different day for a lot of people than it's ever been. We've lived, we survived COVID and we're here, but because of all the things happening in our world, it's different. You know why it's different? Because we're getting closer to the end. And as we get closer to the end, Jesus said one thing is very strong and powerful. Those who endure to the end, those are the ones who will be saved. How are you enduring in this season? Who is the one that is dominating your thought, your hearts, your emotions, your life, your directions, your guidance, where we spend, what we do, what we live? Bilingually, God has put us here to understand the spiritual world, the two worlds we live in. It's his spirit that gives life. It's his spirit that leads into all truth. And it's his spirit that I, I must listen. I must listen for him. Because it's going to determine my greatest success, the greatest direction for my life, for my family, for us. I must listen. Let's pray.